Hey, Blake from Launch Notes here. Thanks so much for checking out the Launch Notes podcast. Today's podcast features a recording of a recent live Office Hours event we hosted in the Launch Awesome community. To join a future Office Hours session where you can ask us questions on anything you want, from building and launching products to Launch Notes best practices, join our free Launch Awesome Slack community. We host Office Hours every Friday and share an invite with everyone in the community. You'll find a link in the show notes or just do a quick search for Launch Awesome and it will come right up. In the meantime, enjoy this episode. All right, guys, I'm excited for this one. This is new for us. We brought some we brought some friends in to the uh, Office Hours Live this week. Some typically, it, yeah, typically it's just me and me and Steve or me and Jake or Adam trying to trying to pull this off solo, but we've got some people to fly the plane with us today. Um, I'm excited to dive into the predictions. So we've got, um, for context, we basically, we went through and asked everyone who did a podcast or an AMA uh, with us this year. Um, Steve and I went and asked them like, hey, what, you know, what's your prediction for 2023? Like crazy times, but what do you think, you know, should be, what's your prediction for product management, product teams, product marketing for the new year? We got some awesome um, responses from some pretty great people here. So we'll, we'll kind of go through those. Uh, we'll read them and we'll kind of just like talk about each one, maybe add some context color, our own commentary to each of them. But I think across the next, you know, 45 minutes or so, we're going to get some really cool um, we're gonna have a really cool discussion about just like, hey, if you're on a product team, like here's here's what you might want to have on your mind, and here's how you're really gonna you know position yourself to excel in the new year because it's it's definitely like a turbulent but exciting time right now. Um, but yeah, before we uh, before we do that, um, obviously we've got me and Steve here from Launch Notes, but yeah, Dan, do you want to uh, say hey for for folks who haven't seen you pop up in our content before? Say hey and let us know, you know where you're from and what you've been working on lately. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm Dan Truparkoff. I uh, live in the Chicago, Illinois area, but I travel to both coasts kind of often. Uh, I work at Google. I work on the Firebase products, uh, which uh, also is part of the Android ecosystem. So Android Studio has some of our stuff in it, Android notifications, things like that. Uh, before Google, I worked at some other companies, Atlassian being uh, one of them, which is how I met some of the team here. Uh, I've been a huge uh, fan of uh, building products better since I started 29 years ago, which is crazy to say. Um, and so thinking about how the industry is continuing to evolve is something I'm super passionate about. So I have conversations with Blake and, and Steve sometimes behind the scenes, and I'm, I'm excited to have one today uh, with all of you. For sure. Thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, JD, we've uh, we've we've seen you around before, but maybe maybe say hey for folks who don't know you. Yeah. So JD Prater, I'm based here in Santa Cruz, California. So on the, on the coast of uh, the west side, we kind of see the surfboard. I try to put up some Christmas lights here for you to <laughs> looking good. In that. Look yeah. Good, yeah. Yes. You know, be a little bit festive here. I, I couldn't find my Santa hat, Blake. So uh, <laughs> Steve's Steve found one that doesn't fit, so yeah, that's okay. I'm I'm currently at uh, Arcade, so kind of in my first 30 days over here and working on some interactive product demos. Um, tons of fun there. And also our founders came from Atlassian. So I think we've all got like these like maybe two degrees separation. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I had a short tour at, at Google. I was on the uh, Google Fiber team. And so, uh, yeah, I think awesome. somehow we're all interconnected, related, yeah. you know, this pool of networking. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. This is a great case study on why you never burn bridges if you work in tech. That's right. Like, <laughs> right. Never tell people off on the way out the door because paths will cross it's and come, yeah, it will, back it will sure. circle back for sure. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, right on. I, uh, I shared my screen here. Can you guys see this? We can. Yeah. Awesome. One thing I did before, maybe I'll just read this because this was kind of cool. Um, obviously, we got a lot of, uh, a lot of folks brought up AI, we've had a lot of exciting stuff this year, especially like the tail end of this year with uh, chat GPT has been like the top thing people have been talking about the last couple of weeks here. I actually took all the suggestions that we got from folks. I fed them into chat GPT and I said, hey, summarize these predictions uh, in a short list for us. 
So, uh, and I dropped that in the blog post too. So I'll quickly, I'll quickly read out the summary if you're bored already and want to take off the summary of the <laughs> predictions from everyone, uh, according to chat GPT's analysis are, uh, the top three predictions in this text are one product management will need to prioritize with a new rigor in 2023. Two, product management will need to become more proficient in using collaborative whiteboarding in using collaborative whiteboarding tools like Figma and Miro. Three, product management will need to understand the practical limits and reality of AI in order to incorporate it into product vision and plans. So, pretty good summary. Um, <laughs> obviously, they had some great uh, had some great data to to summarize there, but I think that's you know kind of spot on. And I think we'll get into some of this today, but yeah, that's uh, just something I kind of wanted to do for fun there. It um, kind of went above and beyond. I, I didn't, I I'm obviously read through all these. I didn't get a ton of number three from what people said, but like, I think it's a great point in and of itself. Um, I think there's so much hype around AI and, and all these new tools, um, but finding kind of legitimate ways to incorporate them into tools is going to be huge. I'm sure a ton of people are going to, you know, kind of swing and miss. Everyone sees uh, this new shiny toy and is like, oh, how do we get this into the into our product immediately? Um, so finding that like balance of ooh, how do we how do we do this effectively in a way that makes sense for our customers, for our story, for our product, um, I think is going to be something that we all have to really think about. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, or, or or the AI is just biased to itself. And it's like, no, you guys need me. Put me in your product. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we yeah. didn't. It's just like... <laughs> That's a good point. I do think that we're kind of, we're going to kind of come into an era here where, you know, maybe up until now or the last sort of like, you know, and obviously like it's it's technology that's been in the works for years, decades it's primarily been, you know, the kind of in that realm of like a hard science. Like if you're working on AI, using it day in, day out, like you're kind of like the hard tech side of things, like the people really like developing and pushing the kind of core technology forward. It's sort of been like mm -hmm. in that domain. I think it's going to start to be, you know, sort of what happens when these kind of like platform shifts happen, whether it's mobile, PC, cloud, SaaS, whatever, where it's like, hey, like, this is going to be like tooling for, you know, for lack of a better term, like the rest of us, right? Like this is going mm -hmm. to be something that you can harness and leverage and like have some fluency and expertise in, even if you're not like some, you know, super genius MIT machine learning researcher, like you can be like a person with a day job um, who doesn't know everything about how this tech works, but still like very fluent and like, okay, here's what it can do. And here's how I can use it. I think that's going to be a super exciting kind of development here. Yeah, totally agree. Um, can I jump in and say something about that? Of course. The, um, the, when, when you look back at the last 30 years, um, there's almost a, a, a completely predictable pattern of five years. So like in 1995, I was literally working at a place where we were switching people from mainframe stuff to, to PC stuff. We were like getting PCs for everybody in the office and we were rewriting software to work on PCs instead. And then five years after that, we were doing the same thing, but from C++ like client uh, software to web-based software. And then five years later, we were trying to figure out how to work across oceans in an agile way, right? We dropped a line across the Pacific and now all mm -hmm. of a sudden we had partners that were in a different place than us. And then, and then five years after that, we were starting to do things with mobile instead. And five years after that, the cloud. And, and mm -hmm. there, there's this completely linear pattern I, which maybe it's speeding up and it's exponential and we can't see it yet. But what I think that says to me is like, when I look back, you can, you can ignore one of those five year things for a little bit, but you start to drift behind. And then if you don't embrace that first one, now you have a second one to deal with also. Mm, and then mm -hmm. a third one. And by the time organizations have three of those platform lifting things to wrestle with, they start to just fall apart. And so you basically have a 15 year shelf life as an organization, ignoring, ignoring everything, all the change in the world and just doing stuff the way you do it. And it, you'll be a lot more successful if every five years you're at least figuring out how to tackle the one major platform um, improvement that happens in the world. Got five years to tackle it, 15 years to ignore it. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, always uh always a fun, sometimes scary thing to do is like go back, you know, go back in time by like call it 15, 20 year increments and look at mm-hmm. the top companies by market cap each of those years. I mean, 2000, mm-hmm. 1980, 1960, like there's gonna be, you know, there's gonna be names that you don't recognize or haven't heard of in quite some time. Like, um, and a lot of it is kind of what you're what you're speaking to, Dan, where it's like yeah. the kind of the 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 missing the kind of target on the changing um technology platforms and it's just like yeah like that can compound in pretty remarkable (laughs) remarkable ways for like even like super powerful companies yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah all right i'll read this first one uh this was an outstanding conversation by the way we caught up with uh chris butler who is a um uh looks like a, a colleague of yours in one way or another over there at uh at google or alphabet dan but he is a um he's on the uh, core machine learning team uh, as a lead PM. And he gave me a great, uh, I'll just read this really quick and then we can jump into talking about it. He says, the key discussion seems to be around return to work and questioning the efficacy of roles in teams based on the Twitter workforce scudding. There will be a trend to try to add a lot of productivity monitoring, especially for remote workers, which will inevitably fail because it doesn't actually track effectiveness. To do that, we need to have a stronger understanding of objectives and hard choices by leaders, which I've often found to be lacking. If there is something I hope for in the next year, it's that people will take more care with async work practices. This includes reviews of PRDs and decision-making through review docs. There's a lot for us to learn about effective discussion that comment free-for-alls in docs isn't the final iteration. This will mostly be of benefit to teams that are bigger than a handful of people. Really great, uh, yeah, really great prediction insights from Chris. Um, yeah, Steve, JD, either, uh, either of you have kind of immediate thoughts on that one? Yeah. Yeah. The thing that stands out to me is around just this idea that God, I hope people don't get into around productivity monitoring. Like you can't quantify (laughs) someone's impact with these tools. And I think it leads to some people trying to, you know, game the system instead of having like a positive impact. Like if you're being measured to do, you know, Oh, some tools watching, making sure I do X amount of, you know, whatever is per day or per week, people are going to start focusing on those instead of how can I, how can I actually move the ball forward for my company? So I, I really hope that's not something we see uh, coming up here. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think for this one, it's interesting because um, obviously Google does track all this. Uh, so, like they, <laughs> they are tracking uh, not only employees. I mean, they, they can track us too. I mean, I, I, we are Gmail people. We have right. Google Docs, right? So. I know, you know, even going back to AWS time, uh, they even put out like charts. It was really interesting during the mm-hmm. pandemic of like uh, when people would, were working and it was by like keystrokes. Uh, and mm-hmm. so looking at this and what they found was mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, it would be a dip around five, six, seven o'clock. But then like a lot of people were coming back on, you know, maybe like once they put their kids down, for example, they're coming back on in the evening. And so there's like the smaller bump and that to the point of this one, you can track that, but it doesn't necessarily mean effectiveness. Uh, You can put this in the Mm -hmm. context of Twitter, just because uh, you wrote a thousand lines of code, it doesn't mean that those lines of code are good. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, So, uh, you know, I, I think it goes back into like thinking through like, the process, understanding the outcome that you're trying to measure, and then ultimately, like, just making sure that people feel like people and not just some cog in a wheel that you're trying to optimize. Yeah, hundred percent. I was just going to plus one everything Steve and JD just said. I think um, those those are super important points. Measuring understanding productivity is is really hard, and um, and not a lot of people do it very well. And if we tried to implement something at scale there's probably a lot more bad that comes out of that than good. Yeah. 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 It's kind of the classic thing where you want to measure the outputs of productivity, but then that can be kind of like a messy thing to attach attribution to. And then um, if you spend time measuring the inputs that that can be easily sort of a gamed system. So how do you kind of find the right way to do it? And 
those of us who have had uh, marketing <laughs> jobs are familiar with the, <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the challenge of that. Uh, Dan, I, you've got, uh, I think, five awesome. Um, I'll let you take this away. I don't want to I don't want to read <clears throat> your own words. So feel free to jump into this, Dan, um, if you want to do all five of these at once, if you want to read these or if you want to kind of like quickly summarize, I'll let you kind of kick off uh, your section here, however you see fit. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll sort of I'll sort of go through like rapidly to, to talk about all five, and then we can jump back to important parts. Um, I also don't want to like over-index on AI related stuff because I'm sure that'll also come up again later. For sure. Um, <clears throat> the first thing that I, I know is true is we've had we've had ten years of mostly uh, growth and prosperity and you know risk taking and 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 lot and lots of lots of uh, comfort with growth. Um, the next two years, you know, as we come off COVID and as the economy tries to recover from some of these things, people are starting to get more conservative. And as a as a PM in a time of growth, figuring out how to do like the the five most important things is not as hard as trying to figure out of the five really important things, which three are we not going to do? That's a really hard question to do, um, and we're going to start seeing that happening a lot, a lot more in the in the coming future. Um, second thing is about whiteboarding. Let's, our, my teams are really scattered now. I'm in like three countries, and like in just in the U.S., we're in three different states. Even the people that work in Seattle are really working in Seattle and Kirkland and Redmond. And so like we're scattered as teams and the software that we use is not all the way caught up with that. We're finally getting good at using video conferencing and that's pretty awesome. But still, like if I get in a room with people and I can draw on a whiteboard for 10 minutes, it's so much faster and more productive. And so we're gonna need to see software vendors that make stuff that helps us through that. And we're gonna need to be as PMs and marketers and product people and eng leads, we're gonna have to get a lot better at tools like Figma or Miro or you know whatever tools you might be using. Mm -hmm. um, I'll jump over the AI quickly. AI is gonna be a big deal. Uh, what we've seen with ChatGPT and other variants of, um, of uh, generative pre-trained text, that, that's going to be a, a massive deal. And we're going to all, as product people, have to uh, figure out what that will mean for our own product futures uh, with our roadmaps, like our strategic plans. And then um, AI won't just do the work all by itself. It's going to take us to set it up and give great prompts. And it's going to take us to QA the output and make sure it's actually right. Um, there will be somebody talked about it uh, uh, as a an AI sandwich. So you need people on the front and people on the back. And then AI can accelerate what happens in the middle. But you, you need the front and back as well, at least for the next five years. Um, and then finally, I... As PMs in a distributed world, we might end up working with our project team and we may or may not be in the same state as them or the same country as them or working the same hours. Um, and we can manage that by setting up meetings with those people and getting up early or, or staying up late or just prioritizing the time. But all the other PMs on different project teams, I'm not going to lunch with them anymore. I'm not going to the bar and having drinks and getting their feedback on my PRDs because I don't have time to plan that kind of interaction into my Zoom um, schedule. And so we're going to need more communities like this where we're all learning from each other, even though we don't work on the same projects. So that's in a nutshell, uh, some of the major things that are on my mind every day. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome list of, um, Awesome list of index of insights and predictions here. Totally agree. Totally agree on those. Um, yeah, um, maybe uh, JD, I'll kick it to you. Any anything in that list sort of stand out, especially for you? I mean, we we didn't talk about Jamboard. I think mm. that's really no. I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just I'm giving Dan a hard time here. Um, um, no, I think for me, um, a couple of things. Like one and two really like resonate with me right now. Um, one about we are so at RK we're all fully remote, mm -hmm. and we just had this offsite uh, a couple of weeks ago. Wow, like we the acceleration of being all together in a week was really powerful. 
um, you know, it's just like the, I, I hate it because I love remote work. I, I love remote work. Um, but there is something about being together that is really powerful as far as idea exchange, faster feedback loops, iterations. Hey, you said this. Did you mean that? Right? That Slack can't, re- you know, replicate. Miro can't. Figma, Jamboard, email, whatever your tool is. So, uh, to Dan's point, I, I actually am excited. I, I really hope that there are some like really cool answers to this. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I haven't played around with Freeform, so definitely like you know wanting to. Uh, jump around and play in with that one. Mm. And then for number one, becoming the prioritization expert, that that is by far, that's one will bleed into mine. My, my, my prediction is further down, but like um, this is definitely something that uh, I, I hit on as well is because whenever you start getting leaner, it could be a leaner budget, a leaner team, uh, you know, really thinking about um, how do you get and uh, push out the most important things you have to prioritize. You can no longer do everything, um, no matter how much you want to build everything. And so, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had friends affected by this, um, you know, in the last like quarter has been really tough in, in tech. And so I think, you know, so it's a lot of layoffs. And so I, I've been thinking about this one a lot is like, how do we build the right things? And coming from the marketing and PMM side, I please like loop us in. Like we love being that like voice of the customer bringing in what the market is is saying. And so I I do think um, being able to partner closer is going to also become a real reality of the prioritization. So uh, lastly, AI, I'm going to be a laggard on the AI. I I have five years to figure it out. So I I will eventually get there. Um, But yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. St- uh, Steve, what's on your mind with these? Yeah, on the prioritization, everyone's just being asked to do do more with less. We're all looking at things through this lens of, you know, do do we really need this? And we're seeing and we're seeing, you know, that manifest through layoffs, through you know, reduced budgets. I'm sure everyone's kind of seeing, you know, increase in churn. Um, we're seeing this through, yeah, reduced kind of slimmer processes. We all need to be, be working, you know, faster and on the right things. Um, as far as the whiteboarding goes, man, I don't think there's anything I love more than like a big open whiteboard. It just represents so much like hope and like, yes. oh, it's a, a blank slate. Like oh, anything's possible. Um, so yeah, totally, totally feel that. And the, um, yeah, we use, we use fig jam at launch notes and it's, um, it's great. Yeah. It, you know, it does a good job. I think it really helps I mean, for any, for any project, like, um, you know, it goes from, it goes from like messy thought towards kind of more, more organized thought. Um, and a lot of the tools like, you know, like linear or Jira, they do really well for like organized thoughts. Um, but for that, for that messy period where it's like, let's just get it all, let's just get it all out there and look at it and see which things relate and, um, and let's move stuff around. Um, an interface like FigJam, I think, you know, or, you know, a, a lot of them do similar things. Um, and it really helps just promote that kind of like free flowing thought, more ideas, seeing the connections between things. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, it used to be, you know, used to be super easy when we were all kind of in the same office. And that's just not, I don't think that's really ever going to be a, you know, a reality for tech companies, maybe mm-hmm. ever again. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more about those. Yeah, I wonder about, I mean, you know, uh, we joked about Jamboard, but like, I do wonder if there's like some kind of hardware catch up that we could do on all this. Cause I do think like everyone misses the whiteboard and I am sort of struck by the fact that, you know, we had this major sort of like seismic shift from the office to the home office in the last couple of years with remote and that's been obviously like pontificated to death. So I, I won't overdo the point here, but like, it does strike me that like all the hardware in front of me, like I basically like lifted up the same gear that I had in my office in San Francisco and plopped it on my desk in my home office here. Like there hasn't been a real change in like the hardware side of things. We've seen mm. software race ahead with especially things like these kind of open canvas collaboration tools and whiteboarding tools and mm. stuff like that. And obviously companies like Google have like um, experimented and done some cool stuff on the sort of 
physical hardware side, but I still think like we're not there yet. I still think there's going to be, um, I don't know if it's VR or AR or new what, kinds of monitors or screens say. or stuff, but like, I do feel like in 10 years I'll still be working from home, but a very noticeable change will be like something hardware related. Like I have to believe that. Yeah. Notably absent from this list of, uh, predictions was, I think really anything about VR, um, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of interesting. yeah. yeah. Not, not a lot of, no NFT, <laughs> yeah. no NFTs in here either. So oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, that's, yeah. um, yeah. Thankfully, everyone's, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. As far as the VR stuff goes, I think everyone's in this headspace where it's like, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it maybe a bit more like, yeah. Intellectually. I'm like, I'd be, I'd be down to try it if I saw a cool enough use case of it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think when, and it just kind of hasn't manifested maybe kind of similar to, uh, you know, a lot of the AI stuff we're seeing now, like it just kind of eclipses some minimum threshold of like quality. And then it's like, Oh, and then it's like, uh, you know, a flood of people are like, okay, I can actually use this now or see myself using this. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the VR stuff just kind of hasn't got to that, that level. Yeah. 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 Totally, totally agree. I think like the VR challenge is one of the biggest challenges I see to getting anywhere. Like I, I have an Oculus and it's, it's fine. I play around with it sometimes like I'll beat Saber or whatever, whatever you might do, but like the battery life of the thing, it, it's dead in like uh, 45 minutes. Like I, oh. I can't, I can't imagine a work situation that's that helpful if the battery life can't get me through a work day. Um, and then secondly, I think we have a camera problem, not a, a, a viewer screen problem. People don't need cartoon coworkers like that. That's not going to get us to the place we need to be. But but if I had a 3D, you know, video capture camera, I would have a conversation with my brother like that would be kind of cool. That would, that would be worth it. I don't want a conversation with my, with the cartoon avatar version of my brother. That doesn't, that doesn't help me in any way. So. Yeah. 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 It'll be exciting to see what the, what the tech does. And yeah, who knows, maybe, maybe next year we'll see more of it on our 2024 list and we'll be, we'll be talking about Five. it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, <laughs> holograms, 2025 holograms. Yes. I'm here for it. Um, I want Blake in my room right now. I want the um, the striking thing about the little Star Wars hologram device that was in the original Star Wars movies. Didn't they? Did they have to physically like take that somewhere? It was like this amazing technology, but it was like they needed to like uh, put it on a FedEx truck and wait two weeks for it to arrive. Like it's always so funny how things like that happen. Um, yeah. Before we uh before we jump to the next one, quick time check. Uh, Dan, do you have to do you have to jump at the half hour? Or do you have a little more time? No, uh, I've got the full hour. Uh, okay, I have a hard stop at top of the hour, but I'm okay, gonna... okay, cool, cool, cool. I wanted to um I want to be sure we get to we may not get through all of these um at this pace, which is totally fine. But I do want to make sure we get to JDs. So if we have to, um these are, <laughs> these are in alphabetical <laughs> JD. If you're wondering why you're if you're wondering why you're further down the list. Um, blame, blame your last name. Not, um, not me. Um, I know. All right. So this is, this one's from John. Um, he, uh, he was with us, gosh, uh, last week doing a, doing an AMA all about North star metrics for product teams. Um, really suggest folks check that out. There's an awesome, awesome session. He clearly knows his material inside and out and he's a great speaker and presenter. But he said, and I kind of, to his credit, I kind of threw this at him during the AMA. So this was John off the (laughs) dome last week. Uh, He says, I really wonder for a lot of teams, how much process overhead is really all that necessary? A lot of teams just want to be more efficient and productive. Maybe they'll be forced to kind of question what rituals and uh, what rituals are really important and what rituals are not. Um, Kind of, I think the second or third time we've heard, we've kind of seen this theme come up already around managing managing yeah. uh efficiency and productivity so yeah steve any any immediate thoughts on this one yeah a question i want to put to dan and jd is around you know to me the big thing that stands out is like i think everyone we just have way too many meetings and we're seeing all these tools pop up um around kind of asynchronous ways to better make decisions um spread information 
Are there any any tools or like particular processes that you've seen that you think are particular particularly effective uh, to help just get rid of all the status update meetings? <laughs> I can go first here. Um, again, uh, being new, uh, you know, to Osmos or sorry, to um, Arcade and Arcade coming from Atlassian founders, write everything down. And so oh, I yeah. spend a lot of time by myself, and we use Notion. So I write mm -hmm. Notion docs. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, first thirty days, what am I working on? Uh, I'm working on our ICP, working on personas working on documenting the jobs to be done before I even put it in front of other people, right? Now they can come in and, you know, collaborate. They can, you know, put feedback in, but it's all async. But before we do a presentation, before we talk about it, um, it has to be written down, which is kind of nice because coming in again, AWS style, you got to write stuff down. Uh, I, I'm That reduces a lot of meeting overhead. Um, and so that's been super helpful. And I want to say like, that's been a great process for me. Um, as someone who's also introverted, I, I, I actually really enjoy just like focus time of writing. Um, it's just a really good, like for me, it's what I like. But I, uh, to John's point, John's like fantastic. I, I, John is way smarter than I am. Um, but one thing that I think is interesting is we talk about prioritization and he's actually talking about like cutting things in the process. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of times with the prioritization, we think about the outcome. He's actually looking at how do we get to that outcome and what do you take away to get there quicker, which I think is really mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, and I, I, that was like one of the things I took away from him. And he's so good at articulating things in like what, three sentences, two sentences. And mm -hmm. um, this one like actually like made me kind of stop and think, oh, am I doing this? Is this actually the most effective way? Um, can I get to the answer quicker? Mm -hmm. And that was something that has really stuck with me. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, Dan, your um, any any thoughts you had on this one? Yeah, I think um, the I'll add two parts to this. Uh, one, I think it's hard to have a one size fits all answer to this question. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm working on uh, hospital uh, patient monitoring software. I might need more process to make sure that nothing bad happens. If I'm at a new startup that doesn't even really have any customers yet, <laughs> yeah, I don't need process. So it, it, there's some people that are on the spectrum in between there uh, that might have a harder time answering this. The second thing is I think teams have teams all over the world have a chronic autonomy problem. I think a lot of our a lot of our meetings aren't meetings to resolve stuff. It's meetings yeah. to tell your boss or your boss's 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 boss that you have a plan and you want to try it and you're trying to get their approval. And I think people need to really, really be clear, like these are decisions that we're in charge of and we're going to write it down in Notion or Google Docs or wherever we write it down. If you want to see what's going on here. You'll be able to read it, but we're going to go forward without all these approval gates. Um, I think that people sometimes have a hard time letting go of some of the decision making, especially as they grow to be bigger and bigger and bigger teams. Yeah, that's a really, 100%. really good point. Uh, getting into these like one way door, two way door type of decisions. And that's that's 100 percent correct. And it's uh, just giving the visibility. And I also like that it's also like a self-serve way. Um, I'll right. put it in front of you, but it is a self-serve. If you want to be involved here, it is, but we mm. are going to move forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like imagine I, I'm not a sports guy, but I'll, I'll use this analogy anyway, but like, imagine there's, you know, a soccer game going on and the forward has to keep asking the club president, <laughs> it's okay to kick this ball right now. Like it can't work like that. And that ha that's what happens at a lot of organizations. Uh, that 100%. was really good, especially with the World Cup happening. But like, that's actually a really good. I yeah, I, right. I, yeah. I give a bravo on that one. <laughs> yeah. And just uh, I just want to underscore your uh, your your point, JD, about the uh, yeah the writing culture that you pick up at Atlassian is like outstanding, and I, I loved hearing you say that because it a hundred percent is a culture of like everything will be written out, and folks will be not only can you kind of comment on it and think about it asynchronously, but it really forces uh, that most important step, which is like, has the reader, uh, the deliverer of this information, like clearly thought it through. And it's like, 
-hmm. how, you know, it's such an amazing forcing function for clear thinking and making sure like, do I actually have something here worth sharing? Have I thought out the important parts and can I articulate it on a page? If not, I've got more work to do before I just blast this out to everyone. And that I think is where, especially with like the ease of communication at scale now with all the tools we have, like that is where at large organizations, a lot of the kind of this like information cruft, information overload comes from where it's just like, everyone's sharing all their ideas with everyone all the time. And it's like, you can't, there's no filter on like what gets in everyone else's brain. And it's like, writing's a great little uh, artifact for like, hey, make sure like you've thought this through before bogging down everyone else's mind space with it. <laughs> so yeah, great, great point on that one. Uh, I want to get to Piro's next. Uh, Piro is at Atlassian, uh, speaking of, and he has a really interesting job. He's basically spent the la better part of you know the last year or so like working with a team to sort of synthesize and manage this like massive influx of product feedback they have. And it's like got all this feedback coming in from customers, from the market, from owned and unowned, you know, sources on the internet. And we have to kind of like synthesize this and take some action on it and sort of prioritize it, categorize it. Like it's a super big, hard job with like terabytes of data flying at them. And like, how do they figure this product feedback thing out? Um, so that was a really cool conversation. If, if you're interested in that kind of thing, I encourage anyone to watch, listen to this uh, episode that we have with Piro. But this was, I think, a really good insight. I'll, I'll drop my commentary on this immediately. But um, he says, there's the macroeconomic shift from decades of feast towards periods of relative famine. I don't believe this resulting pencil sharpening to be a completely negative impact on product teams, as it will force a focus on product team execution and productivity of outcomes. This generally also falls into the favor of customer satisfaction, where it's always cheaper and easier to serve existing customers than trying to win new, especially as the market goes soft. So I'll just say off the gate, like I thought that was an awesome insight. I hadn't heard that before, but it makes total sense to me where it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, if you're going to shift into, you know, do more with less mode, like the obvious thing you're going to want to do is delight the current customers you have. So that was kind of a cool way of seeing this as like a win or a silver lining, like, Hey, as a customer, like you might see more value, more bang for your buck out of the vendors you're working with, because there's going to be this necessary, like refocus of energy on the existing customers that folks have. I thought that was just like a great, a great point to make. I hadn't thought of that before, but, uh, yeah, D Dan, maybe I'll let you jump on this one first. Any, any other thoughts on, on, uh, on this kind of thinking? Yeah, I, I'll sort of con connect this earlier to our whiteboard conversation. So one of the things that I love about whiteboards is that they're, the space is constrained. Like mm -hmm. in FigJam or whatever other visual tool you might use, you, you could just keep putting more and more and more and more and more and more <laughs> yeah. stuff on there. So you can't even look at it. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a, a help, uh, like when you constrain the edges of the whiteboard, then you put your best ideas there, you know, you put more thought into what you put there. And that's also true with the customers you serve. Like when, when the amount of customers that you can support because the economy is weak or your resources are constrained, you will find the best customers to support in a way that you might not in a, in a world where uh, it's more plentiful. So that, that's, uh, that's what I read, or that's what I thought mm -hmm. of when I read those uh, comments. Yeah. yeah, I think it, I think a ton of people have got to be having some really interesting strategy conversations right now. If you're like with the market, the way it is, if you're thinking about, um, a product initiative, that's got, you know, a couple year payoff, maybe you're thinking about moving into a new market. Um, you're going to kind of, you know, you're going to, I don't know, kind of cross sell. You need to, uh, like unlock, you're building a product that needs to like unlock some new budget. Um, I think you're going to have a lot of trouble right now. Um, so just kind of going back to, Hey, let's, let's prioritize prioritize the things that we're doing um, a lot of already today and really, um, you know, really protect that revenue that we have today um, and kind of live, live to fight another day. Yeah, I think adding on to that too, um, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of echo what uh, the CEO of Airtable said. They, they did a round of layoffs last week, you know, 20%, but which is terrible. Like I, I, feel, I really feel sorry for those people. That said, 
the reasoning was really interesting to me in that he said, look, we're actually focusing on the segmentation. And so we think about prioritization, you're also thinking about who our customer is and who we're gonna do well serving. So we're actually gonna start focusing on enterprise customers. Why? 100% growth rate year over year, less churn, bigger budgets, bigger revenue. So like from a business standpoint, it 100% percent make sure, uh, like makes sense and very clear going back to what Perot said, like, I, I get it. Like, I, I think even like at a product level, but even a step further, uh, thinking through the segmentation in your market strategy, uh, how do you prioritize that and focus on uh, the customers that are going to get you the best revenue? The enterprise wins again. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Chalk <laughs> one more up for the big guy. Yeah. No. Yeah. Great point. Uh, this was, uh, uh, Francisca from, uh, also from Amplitude had an, uh, had an awesome conversation with us this year. Um, she's running product led growth over there and, um, yeah, talk about trying to kind of grow efficiently. Like they're, they're doing a ton on the PLG front. And, um, actually I'm sort of surprised we didn't hear, you know, PLG is like the buzzword of the year didn't mm. really pop up in this list much, much either. So maybe mm. we can talk about that at some point, but yeah. um, you just keep scrolling down the mine. We'll, Blake, we'll find it. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> Bingo. We'll get there. Don't we had to put, we had to put you last. Otherwise you would have taken off by now. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'll read through, uh, I'll read through hers really fast. Um, kind of three points here. Growth becomes everybody's business. All product teams will have to start caring about moving the needle on metrics that matter, specifically when it comes to driving activation, engagement, retention, and monetization. Specifically in Amplitude, meet customers where they are. We're revisiting our pricing and packaging to match our offerings with where customers are currently at in their journey and focus on expansion. We're doubling down on finding ways to expand with our current customer base. We're using our product usage data to identify who among our customers could benefit from some of our new products and add-ons. Um, actually, like a lot of parallels to to Puro's answer, a lot around you know, kind of mm -hmm. we're we're focusing on the current customers and kind of meeting them where they are and uh, kind of figuring out how we add value and expansion to the accounts we already have rather than the ones we wish we had. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll let anyone kind of take this away if there's any quick thoughts. Yeah, feels yeah, feels very similar to the previous one. It's kind of mm -hmm. a to me it paints a picture of like, hey, you know, weather the storm now. There's no, you know, there's no big big future uh if you go bankrupt in this kind of current crazy mm -hmm. environment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally agree. Mm -hmm. I'll jump down to uh since there were so many parallels there, um I won't we won't belabor that point. I'll jump down to James. I think he has a good one. Um yeah, James uh James uh, and Alicia showed up as a as a fun kind of duo uh, AMA for us this year. So definitely check that one out. Um, and he's doing product marketing and remote. Um, obviously a topic near and dear to us here. Uh, he says, I think we'll see a big push to measure the return and impact of product initiatives. After a few years of growth at all costs, the shift in the economy and looming recession will catch some product teams by surprise, requiring tighter belts and higher confidence work. Uh, yeah, maybe JD, I'll let you, uh, kick this one off. I know you've, uh, got a lot of product marketing years under your belt and, and now, uh, and the kind of having done lead marketing roles, uh, at your last couple, uh, companies too, like thought about a lot about kind of measuring and the impact, measuring and communicating the impact of product marketing efforts. So, um, yeah, curious how this strikes you. Yeah, there's a there's a couple here I want to pick apart is like this, the idea of this like looming recession, I really like it because it is looming. It's mm -hmm. it's kind of here. It's not here. It is really what it boils down to is uncertainty. When you have uncertainty in the market and you have fear, you have people contract. And this is headcount. This is stock prices. But like, are we in a recession? Are we going to be in a recession? And it's like, is it here? Is it not here? Will it be here? And it's like, it's all of this mm -hmm. almost just kind of talk and it's just an air and it's like a fog that we're all kind of in, uh, but it may not be relevant. You know, you read some economists that are like, now nah, we're good. You read some that are like, oh, it's impending. It's going to happen. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I, I contrast that to the higher confidence work and then to bring in the return. Um, it's fun because I've been uh, at PMM, uh, and uh, I mean, it was at Cora. It was at Cora, and we're coming out without a new product. And 
our CRO was like, hey, like what's the ROI of this product? And the product team's like, we're not held to revenue. Mm. <laughs> Which was a fun debate. <laughs> like this is yeah. always a fun debate. We yeah. build things, but it doesn't yeah. mean there's gonna be any kind of revenue numbers. And so it was a fun debate, but I think mm -hmm. that's actually what we might see more of. And I think mm -hmm. it's like the confidency that this will lead to X revenue. You can't hold me to a number per se, but like we know with a high degree of confidence, customers want this and they will pay for it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's probably what we'll see, especially when you think about maybe expansion side of things. Maybe it might be an enterprise tier. If you were to build up this thing, maybe it'll lead to further or an, an add-on or something. But um, Steve, yeah. do you have something? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing this gets me thinking about is, um, you know, when you build anything, you're taking a little bit of a leap of faith that... Um, that it's going to be adopted, that you're going to get new customers out of it, that you're going to, you're going to improve the retention of your current customers. Um, and I'm wondering if, you know, I, nothing's ever going to be hundred percent certain. I don't know if this means people just need to be talking to customers more. Um, yeah. like the only way to really get that certainty is I think doing better discovery work around knowing your customers better, talking to them, you know, talking to them every week. Um, so, yeah, I wonder if we'll see a big push towards that this year. Which in, in implementation could be like a, a CAB or a customer advisory board, right? Which mm -hmm. is typically, you know, product marketing, but uh, I, I've co-owned them with the PM too. So, hey, yeah. Dan and I are going to partner together. We're going to put together this CAB. We're meeting monthly or something, but mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I think I think cabs are a, a great way to to make sure that you're in tune with what the customers are really getting out of of your product. Because a, a lot of time when we talk about growth and value and impact and and all that stuff, we're talking about money for us as the as the makers of software. None of that matters if there's not value for the customer, and that's a hard thing to measure. Um, and so I think we'll see more people looking to to capture that value in in different ways with cabs and conversations and also with more metrics, like really, really digging into the numbers a little bit more and figuring out like, what are people doing? What is their behavior? What are the numbers that, that prove that mm. what we're doing is actually working? Yeah, I love that phrase, higher confidence work. And one, uh, one thing that strikes me kind of going into these times that might be behavior change, especially for a lot of marketers is like, it may not be the time, it may not be the environment for the next, you know, little while here to to fight those battles where you're trying to convince folks of the you know like all uh kind of all marketers and marketing leaders do this where it's just like well the you know the leadership doesn't get this brand campaign or the cfo thinks i'm wasting money but i'm going to kind of like dig in and kind of like fight the good fight and like that can be the kind of thing that's great when there's you know kind of in in famine times and there's plenty to go around but it might not be the time to do that. Like this might be the time to, to say like, I'm going to work with people where, you know, I'm going to make sure the leadership team, my, you know, my manager, my, my team department leader, my CFO, my CEO, co-founder, whatever. I'm gonna make sure we're aligned on the things we're true believers in. I'm going to make sure we're aligned on like what we know to be high impact work um, versus what, you know, what we're going to butt heads about. And it might not be the time to kind of dig in your heels and, and try to like fight the good fight on some of those, you know, some of those things that you're not aligned on. Like uh, that is kind of an interesting way of thinking about it, but it could be the reality. Yep. Yeah, I think adding on just kind of quickly to that, yeah. you may see yeah. less bets, you know, less mm. product bets, um, mm. mm -hmm. which means like big swings, which typically are like more fun sometimes mm. or like you know what yeah. i mean like and i say yeah. fun loosely right like yeah we may just see more boring software in the next like what works yeah in the next year and that yeah. that could be just okay like yeah. this next year don't expect yeah. super exciting stuff and again that's yeah. okay there, <laughs> there might be 15 years of technical debt to catch up on industry-wide <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah. we're kind of all laughing but i th i think i completely agree that that might be the reality of like the next 18 months or two years mm -hmm. and, you know in smaller incremental uh you know cleanup things yeah. stuff that we know will bring value and you know as a product person I, I know i can get through that as an engineer i know most of the engineers that i work with can buster their way through stuff like that because they wanted to clean up all that stuff anyway uh mm -hmm. we might have a design attrition problem 
Because as a designer, you want to come in with a blank Figma canvas and like make the next new awesome thing. You do not want to say like, move all these things over one column so we can add a new incremental feature there. Yeah. Like, that's work that's hard to keep designers happy with. And so, um, you know, we might need to figure out how to keep those designers engaged and working on new stuff that they love um, so that we can we can keep those great designers on our teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should, um, uh, a note for us, Steve, we should kind of keep an eye on this, uh, this trend or idea at launch notes. Cause this, this whole kind of line of thinking is right in our pocket product wise at launch notes, which is the sort of the thinking about like, yeah, like there's the big splashy launch, but there's also the sort of like block and tackling week in week out, like shipping, like incremental mm -hmm. value to existing customers, which is really our lane as a product. Um, so I'd be, it'll be interesting to see, like, maybe we'll have a little kind of inside look at this trend. Some, we should keep an eye on that, Steve. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. I want to refactor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of refactoring, I'm going to refactor the format of this talk on the fly. I do. I've All been right. teasing you, uh, JD, but I want to be sure we have time to talk, talk to your predictions. Oh, okay. And then if we have time, we'll jump through others. But, uh, yeah, I think you were the inaugural episode of the launch notes podcast. So it would be a shame if we didn't, didn't get you in on this. Um, but uh, yeah, you uh, go ahead and let me know if you want to. I'll let you either either read this or summarize it, and we'll we'll kick off a conversation about it. I'll I'll let you take it away. Yeah, it's funny because um, you would think that some AI, like I, was the summary, like the the summary, right? <laughs> like, um, yeah. And it, it, I like one thing I took away from all of this is like how close we all were in our language and our thought process, and it's like what like incepted us like are we all just having the same conversation are we all following yeah the same thought leaders like i don't know but um no i think for me um highlights you know customer centric i think we've all kind of addressed that you know whether that's cabs whether that's getting closer to the customer um i think for you know we talked about laser focus creating value uh, the last one is kind of where I'll focus here just for the sake of it being somewhat new and different is this like PLG motion. And um, I say motion too, because I think a lot of companies still want to get there. Uh, they're not quite there. And I think the reason is just because it is the buying experience that we all really want. No one really wants to book a demo. No one really wants to talk to sales, <laughs> even though that's where like all the enterprise deals are done. I, I, I completely get it. Like that's the revenue side of things. And maybe your product is that way. Like I, I get it. Um, there are some products that should never be PLG. I, I don't think it's across the board again, but I do think we'll try to find ways to introduce the product um, and see the product, experience the product before signing up. It's this try before you buy type of experience. And this could be, um, on the web page, it could be like in the social, but it's this idea of interacting with it, playing with it, signing up and, you know, for a free trial necessarily doesn't have to be that way. Could be a freemium. Right. But I think there's just, there's something about getting to play and experience the product, um, before you actually like go through with that purchase. Um, and so I, I think mm -hmm. that's what we'll kind of see in this next year is, yeah, we're going to move maybe a little bit more towards PLG, but what's this medium of like, I'm not quite PLG. And so like, how do I get people to see the product experience, the product that's, you know, in, mm -hmm. in a different way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone that you've seen that's doing a really good um, job of that? That isn't, isn't fully PLG, but has these good kind of halfway demo experiences. Yeah. I mean, anyone using arcade, no, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think uh, there are a lot, right? So, you know, take our kid, go to, and I mean, I, I, I don't care. Go check out Nevadic Reprise, or sorry, Reprise, uh, Walnut. Um, they're all doing something similar to this, right? And something like this. But there are a lot of companies that I've seen um, that are allowing you to like play around with the product. Uh, I'm going to pick on Pocus. Pocus uses Nevadic. They don't use us. Go to theirs. You can check it out. You got to put in your email. You put in your email and now you can like kind of experience the product through like hotspots mm -hmm. and a guided tour. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea there, uh, again, very similar to like arcade maybe, but it's like, it's this show, not tell. It's, it's a better mm -hmm. than a static image. It's better than a GIF. It's better than like a loom or a YouTube video. It's mm -hmm. truly this immersive, interactive 
Um, and what I also like from the PMM side is controlled experiment mm -hmm. <laughs> of like, I control what it says and I control where you go to next. Um, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like where you're going to click as a PMM doing sales demo stuff. I'm like, no, that's not how we talk about that feature. <laughs> no, you're yeah. not using the wrong messaging. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a great point. And you guys are, um, yeah, you guys are doing excited things on the product side and kind of touching on this trend where it's like, people want to see the product, but you obviously, you have to curate that experience. Um, and especially yes. if you're doing, you know, if you're aiming for something like PLG or self-serve or the sort of like, one to many kind of like buying experience, like, like an e-commerce style B2C style experience. It's like you're, people are going to have to see the product. Number one, number two, like you're going to have to kind of like hand curate what that experience is like. Um, and it, it's so easy for, you know, I've taken a bunch of requests in my marketing career that amount to like, just take a screenshot of the product. Like what's, and you know, throw it on the website. Like what's the big deal? Or like, just take a video of you doing it. It's like, what's the big deal? And it's just like, you gotta, you know, like putting that editorial layer on top of it, whether it's, you know, something like arcade or like a kind of narrations in the video or like whatever you're, you know, choose your adventure of how you do that. Um, that's like the difference maker. It's not just, you know, it's not just the sort of like four walls of the product. It's all the context around like how you, how you explain it. Um, and yeah, people who are kind of doing that with these kind of content products and experiments are, are really doing it at, at scale in like really cool ways. I think, um, I'll add on to that. I, as a, as a product evaluator for the, you know, the last two decades, at least I also love to just be able to kick the tires of something. I want to like, just go into the demo instance and create some new issues and like assign them to fake coworker person and see how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think also some, uh, especially newer, smaller startups forget that sometimes the purchaser is not the person who's going to be the admin or the user, mm -hmm. right? And, and so as we get more uh, demos or interactive things or free instances or however you solve that problem, um, you still might need a salesperson and a pitch deck and a meeting with the head of procurement for JP Morgan Chase or whoever you're trying to sell to, right? Because mm -hmm. the head of procurement is not going to care about your demo instance, um, <laughs> right? So those are those are the kinds of things that I think you know. F remember that there are you know people at all scales um, of adoption and um, and bureaucracy, and so and don't 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 lose. Uh, site on the the fact that some of those bigger ones are still making purchase decisions in a in an archaic way. Hundred hundred percent. Great great advice. Uh, good advice to wrap on. Actually, we'll have to. Um, we did we did not get to the whole list. Uh, if you're dying to see the rest of the list, check out the launch notes blog. It's up there. It'll, the whole uh, the whole write up is in the show notes with the uh, half dozen or so that we did not get to. But uh, guys, this was super fun. We'll have to uh, we'll get back together for you know one reason or another. Like we'll do this again for something. This was a lot of this was a good time. I think we had a good crew here. So thanks thanks so much, uh, JD and Dan for jumping in. Uh, JD, maybe kind of quickly tell people uh, where they can find Arcade, how they can find you if folks want to say hi. Yeah, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, uh, JD Prater. And then Arcade is arcade.software. Uh, you can go in, got a freemium version, go in, play around, kick the tires, create some arcades. And then when you're ready to upgrade, go do it, self-serve. Cool, cool. And, and then we, you, you can talk to sales if you're JD <laughs> Yeah. Perfect. If you're JP Morgan, yeah, send an email. And then Dan, I think folks know how to find Google, but uh, maybe if they want to say hi to you, what's the best way? Yeah. So I'm super active on LinkedIn. I accept friend requests on LinkedIn from anyone. Uh, uh, so search for me, Chew Parkoff. Uh, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. Um, there aren't many Chew Parkoffs in the world. And so connect with me. I'd love to be the, this to be the beginning of a bunch of conversations and not just one. So awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, from, from us at launch notes, thanks a lot for being here guys. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, everyone have a great holiday. Happy new year. Thanks guys. Hey, Blake here again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the launch notes podcast. If you work on a product team, whether you're in product management, product marketing, product ops, or any other supporting function, Go check out the Launch Awesome community. Hundreds of the top product minds from companies like Google, Atlassian, Twilio, 
and more are in the community sharing their expertise every day. This free Slack community is a great place to connect with and learn from real product leaders, actual practitioners who are in the trenches building and launching products at some of the most exciting startups and SaaS companies around. To join, head to the link in the show notes or just do a quick search for Launch Awesome and it'll come right up. Finally, if you're a fan of this show, don't forget to subscribe so you'll be first to know about new episodes. And of course, we'd be thrilled if you left us a review. Reviews not only help other people find the show, but also just lets us know which content you find most valuable so we can create even more of it. Thanks again for being here.